0: back on The Things We Say. I'm Sheldon and Nate will not be joining us tonight. He's still under the weather. We took a week off hoping to heal him up and uh, he's still out of commission though. He's still doing his producer jobs and all of that, rocking fatherhood, you know, but uh, just not feeling up to it vocally for tonight. So tonight on our podcast we have filling in for Nate, a man who is a missionary, a pilot, An industrial electrician, a mechanic, a father of five, a grandfather of ten, and he's better known as my dad. Welcome, Dennis Stauffer. Hi. (laughs) There we go.
1: How do you like that intro? Uh, I think I'm being set up, but uh, we'll we'll see what happens.
0: Feel pretty accomplished?
1: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep.
0: Of those titles, we'll get into this a little bit, but of those titles, which is your favorite?
1: (laughs) Oh, dear. Okay.
0: I'll give you a moment to think. It's okay. (laughs) We can come back to it. Yeah, let's come back to that. All right. So uh, today I wanted to do the Did You Know? And the Did You Know segment for this week is it goes all the way back to the Second World War and a man named Richard Russell, Jr. His name is on the Senate office building today, well, for as long as they let it up there. He was an early opponent of the Civil Rights Movement and a Democrat from Georgia. Um, But anyway, the did you know is not all his uh, being on the wrong side of history, but coming out of World War II, Richard Russell proposed that since Great Britain was in so much debt, that we should add them as another state (laughs) to the Union and just go ahead and uh, annex Great Britain, (laughs) to which the British brought up an interesting tidbit about uh, how much Georgia still owed them from the Civil War. (laughs) After a few back and forths uh, along this line of thought, (laughs) uh, Richard Russell and his coalition figured out that those those debts were Confederate dollars, and since the Confederacy no longer existed, Great Britain can't possibly still hold that debt over us, and so we're going to go ahead and call that even.
1: <laughs> um, sounds like something that would have happened about that era, yeah.
0: <laughs> this man was on the wrong side of history every single time, but I do love the British response to it. It wasn't like, uh, no, this proposal is ridiculous, you don't get to just propose stuff like this, and... Not respond at all, but in a very British manner. <laughs> no, you still owe us from the Civil War. Hey, Georgia. Yeah. How about paying up? No, no, no. Uh, what do you mean? We're still in debt. <laughs> he was once governor of Georgia, so I'm pretty sure he had some idea of their debt to Great Britain.
1: I'm sure. I'm sure he was <clears throat> getting very anxious to repay it. Uh. <laughs>
0: Yes, uh, straight, from, uh, straight from Georgia's coffers to Great Britain to help them rebuild after the war. I'm sure that's what he was looking for. So, yeah, anyway, I, that was the did you know. We do one of those every week. Do you have a did you know a random factoid or tidbit that you uh, want the people to know, or should we just roll on?
1: I could do a lot of did you knows about Sheldon, but. All right, let's have one <laughs> if you've got one. Oh, well, I don't know. Uh, well, there was always the, uh, did you know that he had to walk home from school one time? I did. That's true. That's true. All the way from game and school to Woodland Drive. That was probably about, what, two miles, three miles?
0: Two miles. Felt like four, That's at least. was probably ten. No, it wasn't ten.
1: <laughs> no, it had, had an issue to do with... Uh, Sheldon decided he was going to ride his bike to school. No. Huh? I missed the bus. Oh, that's right. The I infamous, was late. The infamous missed the bus. And the yes. bus
0: driver, I've been late so many times, the bus driver is done having mercy on me.
1: That's right. Your mother <laughs> wanted to have mercy. I said, no, he can ride his bike. He missed the bus so often that this is, this is getting to be a habit. So, we got to do something about this. Um, so, I rode to school mad. Rode to school mad, and he was mad all day. He got on the bus. Well, I wasn't mad all day. Once I was at school, I was fine. Okay, well, <laughs> whatever led you to get on the bus for getting your bike at school? Either you were mad or whatever. Um, no,
0: I just came home like I always did.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, well... You I'm got, not that observant. You got forgetful, you know? <laughs> this kid... Uh, Depends what it was, he can remember anything, but um, when it has to, just to remember to ride his bike home again, he couldn't do that, so. He rides the bus home, gets home, and uh, we're trying to figure out, where's the bike? Well, the bike's at school. Well, mom, can you get uh, in the car, take me to school to get my bike? Mom calls dad, dad says no, he can walk back and get his bike.
0: And then I say, well, I'll just leave the bike there and get it tomorrow.
1: And that wasn't an option.
0: Yeah, because if the bike gets stolen, then I'm not replacing it, and you're not leaving it there to get stolen, so you're going to go get the bike.
1: It wasn't that the bike was worth so much. I bought it, uh, I think, for about 15 bucks or something. I think it, was, it wasn't any more than
0: that. It lasted longer than all our other bikes. That's
1: right. We still have that thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's still the same old red bike with the same knobby tires. So Sheldon walks to school. And gets his bike and rides home. All the while, mom's saying, he's going to be kidnapped. He's going to be hit. He's going to, all these bad things are going to happen. And I'm like, uh, I don't think so. But, you know, it wasn't in, it wasn't the same error as it was today. I, probably today, I probably wouldn't recommend it. But
0: Well, and I wasn't even allowed to take the most direct route.
1: That's right. Because it was along a busy, busy, uh, as uh, a rural road, but it was really heavily traveled. And there was no shoulder to get off of.
0: So I had to take the back one. Except
1: for one spot, you had to get on the on 897 to get across the turnpike. And then you had to ditch it off of a side road right away and then come back through the lane. And so, yeah, it wasn't very convenient, but uh, were you late for sc- the school bus after that? Well, here's another question. How do you know which <laughs> way I walked? <laughs> Well,
0: I guess you're... (laughs) To this day, you still have no idea. (laughs) Probably not.
1: Um, Yeah, well, we didn't check up on you. We had no phones with GPSs to find a phone or whatever it is by now. and um, We just had to trust you, but, you know, you know we don't, so what is it?
0: Like everything else, I was rebellious up to the point of actually doing it. I went the right way.
1: Okay. Well, at least we cleared air on that. After what
0: I, I made you think that I was rebelling at every turn, but often when the chips were down, I did what was right.
1: Well, we knew that. So we knew that the outcome. You know, you'd try to, you'd be on the the right side of the outcome, but. <laughs> uh, to get from where we were to the outcome, sometimes took some detours, and but uh, well, there, here we are. <laughs> That's
0: right. So I, I'm sure we could get into a lot of topics, and I know where all the hot buttons are that we could easily go for hours. And and uh, just to give you a quick view, and I I've told people on the show this before, but my brother used to have friends over in high school that threatened to record our family dinner tables and play them as TV shows because they were that entertaining. (laughs) And often at the family table, we would have have different news reports delve into exactly how the mafia was involved and where the Clintons were controlling what and Uh, all that type of thing. That was
1: during that era.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I learned a lot about the mafia around the dinner table. (laughs) If people think I'm a conspiracy theorist, you haven't seen anything yet. I never, I never was there. No, no, not me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, th- that was always entertaining. Um, but going back a little further, I was born on the mission field, and I know your heart is always in Canada. That's a place where where you have a lot of passion for, and, <clears throat> and that goes all the way back to 1983 when I was born up there and, and a little before. Um, maybe you could just... I mean, we'll, we'll get to some of these other topics, but what, what led you from being elect, an electrician to going up and to serve in the great white north with, uh, there's nothing for miles around, serving as a, at a residential school, Christian residential school for native kids, and, and uh, just as a teacher, as a mechanic, and, and that kind of thing, what made you leave Lancaster and go up there? I know your mom, your mom still wonders.
1: <laughs> yeah, this, this is a real answer, Mom. <laughs> um, that's, got, that's a loaded question. Um, I got to process a little thing, a little bit there. Uh, it goes back before your mom and I were married. Um, we always felt that we wanted to do something. Uh, where it was or how it was, we weren't sure. And um, through talking to people and i don't know exactly how we we got led to the residential school for uh first nation uh boys and that was nine through 12. but uh, we were in contact with the principal that was uh there at the time and uh, i remember him coming to our house and and uh we had a little interview and i was uh Interviewing for being the mechanics teacher for 9 through 12, and that entailed uh, small engines and um, sheet metal welding, just basic stuff, small engine repair and, and maintenance and theory. And so everything's so that, um, that springboarded us up there, and I uh, always felt I'd like to fly. I, I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to get my pilot's license. My mom says it wasn't really that way, but it was really that way. (laughs) She denies it, but, uh, I think for my, um, uh, how would you say, um, health or not health, but, uh, she didn't want you to die. Well, no, she, she just had a way of saying not now. (laughs) Yeah. And I just respected her for that. And, and, uh, so after we got married I started working on my pilot's license and we kind of kinda ran two paths at the same time and they came together and uh going up north and then we got up there and, and served a year as mechanics teacher and, and um we had originally signed up for two years and <clears throat> during the course of time we decided, well, two years is enough. I think and Sheldon was born and we really had enough no. <laughs> yeah. No, he's a good kid um but um we decided that probably will come on. we'll terminate in two years and and um in the meantime the the principal that interviewed us moved down to the uh base in Dryden and he became head of the newly formed aviation department, and he stopped in one day and was wondering if we'd stay home for another three years and and be part of the flying so that's how that happened and we said yeah we could do that and so we moved down from being 120 miles from the nearest phone to a phone in our in our room again so so let's see that's how we started flying there did that from 83 to 88 Uh, three of the kids were born there Sheldon Denise and Dennis and then in 88 we moved home and uh, and then is that the answer to the, yeah, that answer yeah, the just, question? No, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Be
0: like, what, what led you up there? And that's good. Yeah. Just following the calling. And yeah.
1: We just had a sense of, you know, God wants to use us for something. And I think we were kind of, we kind of ran a track, but we kind of left God fill in how it happened. Uh, and it kind of you're being in your 20s and you're just a little. Yeah, yeah, whatever, you know. We'll see where this yeah, goes. we'll see where it goes, you know. Yeah. We'll just lay some track down and see what it follows.
0: And I think, I think uh, <laughs> it's pretty amazing how some of those smaller decisions early on in your life will set the trajectory for a lot of other things to happen. Since then, you've kept up with the pilot's thing. You've turned that into, a, what is it now, a 15-year career as a, as a
1: full-time well, pilot? Well, actually, and, 17 yeah, yeah, seventeen. Like 17 Your career in
0: aviation, yeah. and and before that, you were electrician and all of that other stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, and and along the way, a lot of different choices led to where you are today. And um, I I was just thinking back. You were you were a dad of of five kids. I'm a I'm a dad of two. And I I think that sometimes that's about my limit. I think I can maybe handle three or four.
1: I think you should try five.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Five would be quite the trip. We were spaced out about every two years and and went alternated boy, girl, boy, girl from the beginning. And so there was enough of everything mixed in along the way.
1: It was like I heard on the radio just the other day, when you have two kids, you're you're in man-to-man defense five kids at zone defense you're you gotta do zone you can't do man-to-man they'll the other team will just run over you so we were running your mom and i were running zone defense
0: that's probably that's probably fair <laughs> and usually mom had us all to herself if you were working or something like that a lot of long hours sometimes but yeah you know it it's what you have to do to raise a family and yeah. So, um, anyway, we can we can get to some of the topics for tonight. But I did want to let people know that you are a good guy. You do come from a, a good place, a good background. And even if we disagree, we we still come out. Oh, the, we'll always disagree. Yeah. I, I mean, we have to. It's part of the laws of nature. It's how it's how I I sharpen my ideas, and uh, sure. you you gently dull them and blunt
1: them if we all agreed (laughs) with facts what would you sit around and talk about because everybody agrees
0: yeah exactly
1: (laughs) now there are some absolutes you know that you gotta agree on so but but the other stuff is you know
0: here's the thing i'm a i'm a niners fan and a lot of people say you get your religion from your mom and your sports from your dad and i feel like i got both from from both of you. mom just didn't have any sports (laughs)
1: Well, she raised but, five kids. She, I don't know what. She played that, goalie? Yeah. That Referee. Uh, just a lot of stuff there.
0: Guarded the house well.
1: Offense, defense, all at the same time. <laughs>
0: so so the uh, the 49ers, that's some, something that I, I have all my Philly teams. I've got the Sixers and the Phillies and the Flyers and Penn State. And then the Niners, they come out of nowhere, and that's – because I grew up watching a lot of Niners football. What what is it about the Niners that what what is the reason?
1: Well, there's you know I always watched football. I mean I watched it on black and white TV, so it was it was good that the one team wore lighter jerseys and the other team wore the darker jerseys, so you could keep it all sorted out. Uh, it wasn't when I watched my first game in color. I thought, wow, this this is this is amazing, but um, but. I watched, you know, I think it was the first or second Super Bowl I got to watch. And I've, I I've missed some along the way, but not too many. But um,
0: Well, you were in the Canada
1: for the 80s. Yeah, so. <laughs> well, what I did there was at night, you could, uh, on your AM radio, you can pick up skip. And uh, what happens is the AM signal gets up and hits, hits part of the atmosphere, like you can be in northern Canada where I was, and you pick up a chicago station or you oh, could okay. pick up yeah you could pick up a east coast station but if the am signal would go up hit the hit the atmosphere it's part of the atmosphere and then come down so it depends where you were on where it come reflected down is what you would get yeah so i'd tune in at night if there was a night game i could listen to it if there wasn't a night game i couldn't listen to it we didn't have internet <laughs> you know we had nothing the games could be played, and about five days later, I find out who wins, you know. So, it's that type of thing. So, um, I kind of lost touch over those years, and then come back, uh, Bill Walsh was uh, the coach of uh, San Francisco, and, and uh, I got so tired of Philadelphia, I'll tell you what, I, I grew up on that. I watched it for entertainment value, you know. It, yep. it was, you know, Dick Vermeil. he he was a good coach. I mean, he... he he um, he guided a lot of players in their Christian life. He left a real impact on on the team as a coach. I mean, I'm, Dick Vermeil was great great guy. Yeah. Uh, as far as him herding the cat, so to speak, uh, as the Philadelphia Eagles uh, was another story. But he was able. I think he took them to. Did he take him to the Super Bowl? Was, I'm not entirely sure. The old he, Eagles,
0: I think, went to one, one but I don't I, know if it was under Vermeule.
1: I'm not sure. Maybe. I'd have to check that. But then the Buddy Ryan era came, you know, and that's when you had the, the snowball, the snowball when uh, the Cowboys showed up and the stands were full of snow and the field was cleared and by the end of the uh, game, the stands was cleared and the field was full and all the fans threw the snowballs at the Cowboys. And then you had the spiking of Michael Irvin, um, which ended his career. So the Eagles weren't really my kind of football team. I, I liked somebody that had strategy, somebody that could implement a plan, somebody that was innovative and he's thinking, and you had to watch it, you had to think, you had to say, okay, what's what's Bill Walsh going to pull out here, you know? Yep. And he was just a great guy. I think he was a great role model for a lot of the players, so um, that's how I came on those guys. I hated the Steelers. Everybody loved the Steelers. I mean, uh, that was just not a good error to for me. To this day, for
0: the, we root against the Steelers. A, a, I don't
1: care if, if the Ravens play them, I'll root for the Ravens if, of all things. But, uh, you know, I know I have a, a daughter-in-law that, uh, just, you know, thinks the Steelers are the greatest things. My grandson shows up in a Steeler shirt of all things sometimes, <laughs> but, I just grin and love him anyhow, but uh, he'll he'll see the light sooner or later. Every once in a while, he shows up in the 49ers.
0: I had him saying "Go Niners" today, so
1: that's good. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's kind of why I lean towards it. And you know, Montana was a quality guy. I mean, he the team was gelled. You had Roger Craig and and Jerry Rice and uh, uh, tight end uh, oh, Brent and, Jones. Yeah. Uh, you know, those guys just worked together. They worked together as a team. They had uh, was Ronnie Lott. Yeah. Yeah, He was, was on the linebacker, I think. Free safety. Free yep. safety. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I saw Montana throw the catch to Dwight Clark. I, yeah. I, I remember that game distinctly. Um, you know, everybody thought they were down. They I thought they were down. But, you know, Will Walsh had a way of getting his players in the clutch Clutch deals, thinking clear and executing that. Yeah. So that it was better than the sandlot football that that the Steelers played and the thug football that they played, and <laughs> and the randomness that Buddy Ryan would pull out of his head. Uh, you know, Randall Cunningham, the longest punter. You know, he has one of the records of the longest punt, but he was our quarterback. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Yeah, Chuck and duck, <laughs> Chuck and duck game. Yep. Randall would chuck and then he would duck because his line couldn't support anything.
0: So are you still a 49ers fan?
1: I know what you're leading up to. The whole Kaepernick thing. And, <laughs> okay, let's just let's just get that thing <laughs> well, out that's there. that's what I was saying. There, are you yep.
0: still a Niners fan? Like, do you well, still root for no. I Yeah, I,
1: you know, uh, Bill Walsh came. Yeah, Bill Walsh left. And then it was uh, Mariucci? No. Who was yeah, Mariucci. Mariucci came in. He did a good Seaford job. and then Oh, Mar- Seaford, then Maruchi. Seaford was good. He was he was under Bill Walsh for a number of years and he took him to a Super Bowl or two. And and then Mariucci, it just kind of the whole. The well, that whole, was
0: when Terrell Owens came in and right. Jeff Garcia. And yeah,
1: and that uh, that was a train wreck. I don't know what happened there. You know, you pull a sharp. I remember
0: out of, Terrell Owens going <laughs> on national media and claiming that Jeff Garcia was gay. That was that was something else. I
1: don't. It, <laughs> so I, you know, that whole thing, and I saw the cleverness. I saw, you know, Bill Walsh had the West Coast offense, which yeah. a lot of teams adapt in in certain ways. I mean, it's different variations, but it kind of comes back to the same thing you know your tight end today did what 200 and some yards george kittle yeah, 210 so, yards and now he was the when bill walsh offense the tight end was one of the pivotal positions in the had offense had they
0: thrown him a pass in the second half he would have set the all-time receiving mark for a tight end well, but we,
1: at this point we can't have san francisco breaking any records yeah, the niners can have we nice cannot teams. have nothing good happen in san francisco right now i don't know, i don't get it so anyhow um yeah, the whole Kaepernick thing, yeah, so, yeah, Kaepernick did pretty good, I, and we this did a is, whole episode on Kaepernick, but, I'm, I'm yeah, I didn't get to
0: hear that I'm, joke, we'll so. take your take, that's okay, fine.
1: <laughs> but, you know, they came in there and kicked New England's butt and, you know, in Foxborough, and everybody thought, man, this, this guy's, uh, you know, th- this is the way it's going to be, you know, he's going to take them for years, franchise, you know, looking at all that, and. And it's a bust, you know. I don't know what happened to him. I, I got some theories, but, um, yeah, the whole taking the knee thing, um, you know, um, I, I gotta watch how I said, I guess. I, but, uh oh dear, it didn't sit right. It didn't sit right. No, it's still crosswise. You didn't like it. I didn't like it. No, I still don't like it. I, I think, <laughs> I think. When you bring politics into sports, there's a weird mixture, and nothing good happens. You either have sports or you have politics, just like in school. You either go to school to learn or you go to school to play. So, but
0: he, he was kneeling under Obama.
1: I know. I mean... So
0: what's political? What's political? Yeah, what's political about that? What isn't? He's got Obama in the White House, a black, a black president. What? What's so? He's a black man kneeling. So why is he kneeling? He's kneeling to protest the brutality against black people by law enforcement.
1: So what does that have to do with Obama?
0: He wanted. He wanted him to do something about it.
1: Well, you know, raise the president, awareness. So the, the president, whole point
0: was to raise awareness. Th-
1: what the president's supposed to fix every little problem. Is that the, That's a deal. Okay. Well, it could be the president. Could you know, be the Congress. I got could be a flat local tire. Police. I call Obama and say, "Hey, you know, Obama, I, you know, I got a flat tire. Can you help me <laughs> out? You know, why don't you take these uh, people that make these tires and kick them out of the country? Is that you know?"
0: Yeah, he he wanted people to be aware that it was a problem, and I, I think know. I think he recognizes that <laughs> people thought he was protesting the anthem.
1: If but if he wanted to make a point about the whole police awareness and, and the brutality and all that stuff. He's got how many days are in the week? There's seven days. Seven days in the week. week. When right. do we play football? One day. One day a week. That's right. So he has six other days to make his point. And to, to do it on a football, uh, when he's getting paid to play football and not do protests. I could just see... Um, I'm not sure who's all going to hear this, but I could just see myself going into work one day and say, I'm protesting this. <laughs> and, you know, even though I'm getting paid to do my job, I'm just going to take a knee out in the middle of the runway. I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to make a statement. Yeah. How long do you think I'd be employed?
0: At where you're currently at? Not long. Two seconds.
1: <laughs> as long as it takes for them to get out there and tell me to hit the road. That's how long it'd be. <laughs> And that's the same thing that this should be, as long as it takes them to tell them to hit the road.
0: I thought it was interesting this weekend the Redskins lost terribly because Mark Sanchez couldn't throw a ball straight. And they were looking for a quarterback really terribly. Alex Smith had gone down, and and uh, so they, they had uh, – who all they have in there for a tryout? Josh Jackson and um, – Hmm, there was there was oh, Colt McCoy was the other Redskins quarterback that got okay. hurt. Okay. Yeah. And so at one point, Alex Smith, Josh Jackson, and Colt McCoy were all backups to Colin Kaepernick. At one point, he mm-hmm. was the starter and those guys all sat behind him. Yep. And his phone didn't ring once.
1: That it shouldn't.
0: <laughs> He's uh, I mean, if in his last, to... in his last season, his last NFL season, he threw 16 touchdowns and
1: four picks. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. That's not bad. Nope. I would take him. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> the thing, the thing about football is you go, you, go back to Bill Walsh. Yeah. How did he win games? By strategy. And how else?
0: Um, He was careful with the football. He made sure that he threw short slants and stuff like that to get you away from the defense, yards after the catch. How else? And taking care of every detail.
1: And what detail did he take care of? um, Okay, go ahead. He he had a unified team. That's true. All the team players were on the same page. He didn't have one guy going out and, and doing... Silly things. Gotcha. And that started with the Terrell Owens when he went up by the, the goal post or whatever. Pulled the Sharpie Pulled out, the Sharpie And the out cell phone. And the cell phone and all this ridiculous stuff. The Dallas stuff. Star. Yeah.
0: The Dallas know. Star is probably one of my favorite Niner moments. So, so, yeah. Not that he ran to the Dallas Star once. It's that he did it again. But
1: <laughs> in that era of the Sharpie and the cell phone and all this ridiculous stuff, how many Super Bowls did they win? None. None. That's exactly right. So How, how many Bill... Super
0: Bowls has Tarowans ever won?
1: Well, that, you know. None. None. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, there you go. I mean, you can't, you know, you can have your Sharpie or you can have a Super Bowl ring. What, what do you want? You know? <laughs> or an old beat up cell phone that doesn't work and you act like it does. You know? So that's, that's what I'm saying. Bill Walsh had, he had, in, he had the core values settled. All the players knew they were on the team. They were there for each other. They were do- there to do one thing, Yeah, win football games. Because <laughs> they got paid to what? Win football games. Win yes. football yes. games. They didn't get paid to take a... Take any or right. anything else. That's exactly pull right. Pull sharpie out. Pull sharpies out. Do stupid things. I,
0: I I seriously have a problem with the people that even today are celebrating when they're down by 15 points. They're celebrating their <laughs> touchdown that they just scored, and they're down 15 on the scoreboard. That bothers me.
1: Yeah. What
0: I you can celebrate when you win. But every point up until that, you could still be looking like a goof because you were celebrating and you lost.
1: So what? what is one of my favorite lines when somebody does something great on, and they do something, so, you know, something stupid? Celebratory? <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> What do I say? I don't know. So act like you've been there before. Act like you've been there before and get back to the huddle and pull it off again. (laughs) (laughs) What's all this ridiculous stuff? Jumping in a Salvation Army bucket and, you know, all this crazy stuff. (laughs) You could lose the game and then you end up looking stupid. That's right. Why not look intelligent and go, you know, win football games? Anyhow, I get a little adamant about that. (laughs) So
0: I'm... I'm fairly libertarian in my political persuasion, and sometimes that runs afoul of, of some of your political persuasion. You've been voting Republican since before I was How do you know? around, probably. How do you
1: know? I think we've had this conversation. Why do they put a curtain around the booth? Well, they don't anymore, but...
0: <laughs> they still do. You're not allowed to peek. <laughs> if you get caught peeking at a, at a voting booth, it could be a little awkward. Yeah,
1: probably. Probably. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what would be the okay? F- there we go. There if, we go. If I'll, that's I'll, not what, if, what I'll do. If is if take that's a, not I'll the ta- case, I'd love to know the Democrat you voted well,
1: for. I'll go take a knee there at the polling booth before I vote. How's that? There you go. That's okay. fine. Yeah, that'll work. Tim Tebow
0: took a knee, and people gave him a hard time okay. for it.
1: Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, go back to you. <laughs> no, I was just saying,
0: you've been Republican most of your life, and, yep. and I'm I've been uh, started that way and kind of went a little libertarian. I'll vote for anybody that gives the people more freedom, and and you know if uh, if Dennis Kucinich is up against somebody that's gonna be a hardline, you know, just. Uh, let's go off to war and let's, you know, spend us into oblivion. I'll vote for Kucinich because he's at least cuckoo enough to give give us something back to the people. Well, as long <laughs> as... They're... From the Democrat side or from the Republican side, I'll vote for a guy that, that's going to vote no on everything before I vote for a guy that's just going to give a blank check to the Republican Party. I I like... People like Ron Paul that are the party of no. No, you don't get to do this. No, you don't get to do that. I'm not voting for anything that's not constitutional.
1: <laughs> well, back to Katsinich, you didn't have to worry about him voting for or against him anything because he probably was in the mothership somewhere. I mean, he, he <laughs> wasn't either one with He's UFOs? He's been there
0: at least once. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know,
1: he... he he might have had to have an abs- absentee vote, maybe. That's something you know.
0: we didn't bring up on the UFO podcast, the number of politicians and, and big figures that have claimed to have seen UFOs. Louis Farrakhan claims to have gone up oh, yeah. in the mothership. Yep. Yep. Kucinich believes in them uh, if he hasn't seen them. And, and uh, one, of, one of Trump's, was it Trump, that said he wanted to go in there and unseal everything regarding UFOs? No, I think that's something sure. he said at one point, and okay. he he may not have lived up to that promise. He has <laughs> the power right now to go ahead and do that, and I'd love to see him just you know bust into those area fifty one archives and just put them out there. yeah and I think that'd be a lot of fun but uh <laughs> he he hasn't he hasn't lived up to that exactly yet he also i i when Trump was running, I said i'm not going to believe this one campaign promise until I see the president of mexico with a happy gilmore style check (laughs) that's bigger than his arms and he's holding it up one billion dollars for the wall and it just says the wall yeah (laughs) and it just says the wall in the memo line until that happens i don't believe it there's going to be some funny math trump may get his wall although with the democrats in charge of congress not looking good for the wall. I'm <laughs> just saying.
1: Well, he's gonna have to piece it together. Yeah, they got a couple of weeks here to get that thing through. But I'm not <laughs> sure what's gonna happen. But anyhow, back but to your. I
0: was, I was just saying, until that, I, when Trump was running, that was the one promise that I'm like, I'm gonna build a wall, and Mexico is gonna pay for it. I said, until I see the president of Mexico with a Happy Gilmore check, I'm not gonna believe it.
1: Yeah, we'll see how it works out for him, I guess. <laughs> So your libertarian question? No, there wasn't oh.
0: much of a question there. Just that we differ from time to time. Right. We, we we get on topics that that you're like, nope, nope. The government should still be in control of that, and you can't just give all the freedom back to the people. And, and... no,
1: it's not that you don't give freedom back to the people. What I what I was saying in our latest discussion on that, just to on clarify, marijuana. Yeah, that's I knew that's where you're going. But you know, <laughs> I kind of figured that. <clears throat> When it involves the safety of the public, okay, when I share the road or I share the air, would you get on an airplane that uh, the guys, the pilots were coming down the the jetway and they had to snuff out their marijuana, uh, whatever it is, joint, and then get in the cockpit, would that be okay?
0: No, but is alcohol legal? Are they allowed what? to have, have a drink? Would you? Before uh, they go fly? No. Well, well, then. It's eight hours bottle wow. to throttle. Wow. So they're, they're, uh, uh, alcohol is allowed for everybody in the population, just not people that are pilots. What about heavy machinery? Are well, you allowed to drink before you operate heavy machinery? No, you're
1: not. Well, it depends on the insurance. Where the, the uh, drug and alcohol thing is, is on safety sensitive functions. Safety sensitive functions are anytime the public's involved, such as uh, pilots, um, stewardess in that realm. And then you get to your truck drivers and bus drivers, whether it's public or uh, like transit authorities or for school. Sure. So what I'm saying is that I don't, necessarily say the government should be in control to the fact that they control everything and you got to go ask you know for all all your stuff you know that's not a
0: permit for this and a permit, permit for, for that. this
1: permit for that no the less permits the better for in my account the solution to pollution is <laughs> dilution. dilution that's it you got it i mean that it works all the time i mean i I practice, uh, you know, recycling. I go out and burn my trash. I mean, it, you know, it's going to ashes to ashes, dust to dust. It there works. you go. Yep. You know, it always works. So, um, what I'm saying is, when I share the road, just let's just use the road for example. Sure. When I share the road with other public people, I mean, I mean that's yes. We don't have any dogs driving or anything, but what I'm saying is, we. The, uh, the government is there to protect each one, including you. Sure. So why should we allow people being on the road intoxicated? They're not allowed to They're do not that. allowed and, and, and uh, high on drugs. They're not allowed, They're not allowed, to, not do allowed that to do either. that either. Nope. Right. So we agree on that.
0: No, they're, they're not allowed regardless of the legality of marijuana. It can be legal tomorrow. You're still not allowed to smoke it and drive. However. It can be completely legal and, and regulated by the government just like alcohol is. You regulate the sale and the okay. government gets the tax money. <laughs> what I, what happy? I
1: challenge you to do is this on the marijuana issue. And the same thing goes with alcohol, but not alcohol- the studies are out there, How the long-term effect of marijuana usage on teens and how that affects brain chemistry and brain makeup for the rest of their life.
0: Yeah, any substance used while your brain is still in the developing stages of adolescence is a pretty bad idea. It's
1: a bad idea. It's That's a, right. It's That's even, why
0: we make the drinking age 18 and and why marijuana, if it was legalized, would probably be regulated like... Like alcohol currently is.
1: Yeah, the, the problem is, okay. For instance, <clears throat> if I'm <clears throat> like where I as as a as a uh, pilot for a professional pilot, I gotta maintain, I gotta be drug free, and uh, that includes opioids of all sorts, whether than, uh, and that could be synthetic opiates or it could be the, the real stuff. Yeah. It, it includes marijuana, it includes uh, meth, and all all those drug categories. The thing about it is, if I'm... Okay, just, um, just kind of a situation hypothetical deal here. Sure. I'm out in Colorado. It's legal there, right? Sure. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And Washington, I guess... It, a State. lot of places, yeah. all of Canada. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, it is now. Interestingly enough, Canada does not have a drug and alcohol program for anybody, <laughs> whether they're pilots, truck drivers, or anything. I don't find that particularly surprising. <laughs> right. Um, however, there has been arrests of pilots in the cockpit because somebody says, oh, I think he's... I think I saw him at the bar, or I, I think he smells of alcohol. And they actually went in and arrested him while they are sitting in the cockpit. Wow. Going through their pre-flight checks. That's pretty scary. That's not good. Anyhow, that's, <clears throat> that's Canada. So I'm walking down the street in Colorado, and I'm walking uh, to, to the airport. You know, the hotel's, you know, a block away or whatever. I got these three guys in front of me smoking a joint. So, I inhale this stuff, you know, inadvertently.
0: Unlike Bill Clinton, you
1: you would have accidentally inhaled. Yeah. I, well, I never inhaled that stuff. I never smoked inhale. that stuff. No. <laughs> so, so I go out and I jump in the plane and and I go and take off and something happens, something that's not my fault. Yeah. You know, some mechanical problem or something, and I can't get the gear down, and I. Do gear up, landing, and and um, so they do a what they call a post-accident drug and alcohol test, and I show up positive for marijuana. What do I do? And you're in big trouble. Yeah, I'm in huge trouble. But I never, I never smoked it. I never was part of it. But these three dudes in front of me were, and I didn't know it. So, what? I mean, where, where are my rights? Well, there, there,
0: in that case, I don't... You'd have to... There, there'd be a threshold of how, uh, f- how much no. you would have had to inhale to, in order it, for it to show If even a up.
1: trace of it shows up yeah. in your blood test. No, I get, I get the concern there. There, there. There's no level in the federal drug and alcohol program That's yeah. that is allowed. Yeah. If there's even a trace... No,
0: that's fine. I, I've i been trying to figure out how being legal for other people is going so to be a bother. So those
1: guys are exercising their right to smoke marijuana wherever. But they just took away my right. So, you know, and they also endangered the public. In the meantime, they endangered all those people that were sitting in the back. Yep. Just because they wanted that right. Now, if they want to go smoke it, they should do it somewhere where they, you know, I use the... <laughs> Remember in high school, they, they didn't allow smoking. They would smoke in the bathroom. They'd smoke in the bathroom. They, they were, still did. They, they smoked
0: marijuana in the bathrooms. When I was
1: so, there. you know, they, put it, they made a place that they could smoke, even though it, they called it the smoking lounge. So why don't they go to... That sm- is
0: interesting that they made a smoker's lounge in high school back when you for were For underage kids.
1: Yeah. they were all underage. <laughs> and they would go there and they'd smoke, and yep. everybody knew it. That, that, you could tell the smokers. They would watch that clock, and as soon as the bell rang for the end of the class, man, it was like, boom. And don't you get in the way between class and the smoking lounge. You got run over.
0: Because <laughs> they had only so long to get that cigarette they had, done. They had,
1: to get, they had to be in time for the next class. No, it wasn't sanctioned when I was there. <laughs> it was when I was there. Well, it was sort of. I mean, everybody stayed away from it, but the teachers included. But it was, it was pretty amazing. But I, what I'm saying is if, if those people, whether you drink or you smoke or whatever you do, if you do it in your own private place... And before you go out and endanger anybody else, you should be clean. Yeah. That's that's where I'm at. I mean, as far as legalizing it, I think uh, I don't agree with legalizing it because of the long-term effect I see in kids. and, And as they try, you got a lot of good kids, a lot of smart kids that get messed up in this stuff, and they cannot... Reach the next level yeah. that they that they were designed to do. They cannot get that professional job because of the history. Yeah, and that that's you know, as that's a nation, we're only as strong as as our as as our as our kids as our yeah. generations to come. So that's where I come out of. Does that make sense? We're good to leave it there. That's okay. fine. So. <clears throat> On, on the way, and
0: this could be career-wise or, or family or uh, I don't care, pick the sphere, what, uh, what's one of the biggest hurdles that you've had to overcome to be where you are today? Could be in your career, could be uh, somewhere else, where it just seemed like you weren't going to be able to get through. Hmm. Like where there was a roadblock in can front I, of you, something like that.
1: Uh, can I phone a friend on that one?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was just asking because sometimes people yeah, people can relate to somebody that, you know, we all we all look at people and we say, "Oh, you've accomplished this or accomplished that," but in in the how, that's a lot of what people wonder: how to get from where they are if they're feeling stuck or or. Something like that. So a lot of times people identify with a, a hurdle in life where they can overcome it.
1: Oh, huh, Okay. I
0: don't
1: know if you had one coming to mind. <laughs> well, a lot of had had to do with the flying, the whole flying uh, business. Electrician. Um, I started right out of high school and then worked there uh, as an electrician for I don't know until we went up north. So. I don't know it must have been six seven years or something like that, and then came back and started that again and and during that process, when we came back in from in eighty eight um, we just felt that there was more to do and we we at that point they had they were changing the programs uh and the way the mission approached things, and structure, and the amount of flying that was to be done, and and how they were going to do that, so we we felt maybe we sh- that we should check out other missions, and and we just felt you know that that's what God was saying, and as we checked each one, it was just like boom, the door went shut. Boom, the door went shut, and yeah. and that was you know. That was fairly tough until the last one. We went uh, for our evaluation out in California, and and uh, you kids stayed. We had... Ch- I remember David, that. Yeah, David went with us. He was pretty young, and uh, the rest of you guys were farmed out to bury some of your friends. You are probably hoping Mom and Dad wouldn't show up again. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good mini vacation. It was cool. <laughs> but uh, during that time, we... we um, you know, it, it just during the about whole flight evaluation and stuff, uh, there's just things happen. I mean, it's, it's unexplainable stuff. And come to the end of it, and they say, well, you know, and during the whole thing, we'd be visiting with families from the mission organization, would have us over yeah. for uh, meals in the evening or get togethers. And, oh, you know, what's your interest if you do get stationed where you want to go? And we're like, well, I don't know, you know. Like it in the cold. That's that's what we're used to, and we found ourselves talking about Canada and up north, and and soon we're just like you know this this may not fit. You know we came to the realization of that, and and then uh, one day there was another family there from uh, Lancaster that I really didn't know. I kind of knew of them, and they were getting evaluated for a different mission, but they were using the, the. his mission was subcontracting this other mission to evaluating and you know they finally said okay you know you're just not going to fit here um you you fly the airplane great there's not nothing wrong with with that um you learned a lot of stuff on your own we can tell that you know you 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 worked the bush you you had to do a lot of thinking you had to work your own plan and you know we have a we have a manual that's about three inches thick. that's our plan, and we don't see you fitting into that very well yeah. we you know our manual up north was about ten pages at the most, and one of us says, don't listen to the a d f listen to a m race radio stations on the a d f that was a big deal you know because you could have listened to you know some other station that they didn't allow yeah but um they uh so the, the, what I was saying is that family, the guy came over to me, he, says, he said, um, you know, I'd see you go down to the, the hangar for your evaluation. And he said, I just personally prayed that you didn't make it. That's, uh, and that I said, I could tell the person you are and the organization you're trying to go with wasn't a fit. And I just kept praying against you making it. I said, Dave. Why didn't you tell me that the first day? We could have went to the beach for a week. <laughs> but here you made me endure this, you know. He said, well, you just had to go through it. And, That's true. And I did. I really did. So To d-
0: know the door was closed. To
1: know it was closed. And, you know, there's still a lot. Of, there was, at that point, there was questions why. But when Dave explained that to me, I was like, I know. I know why.
0: Well, and it, it, was, it was really hard for you guys emotionally and spiritually, like, asking those questions, because each time you pursue a mission organization, you go giving a blank check for your life, basically, and saying, where they station me, where I'm called to go, I will go. And a lot of people have trouble writing that blank check in the first place to God, but to do it over and over and over and then to continually get rejected... Or have the door closed and then finally actually get a rejection. Right, that's difficult.
1: That's it, it. You know, you could your your mind and your your spirit could go in a lot of, of bad places. Yeah, uh, we had a lot of good people around us uh, during that time. We were still going. We started going up to Canada to do, to do flying uh, in the summer for for uh, filling. Uh, Basically,
0: They're, we were mobilizing uh, short-term missions during the summer right. out to the different native reserves that were flying communities and taking Bible school teachers and that type of thing.
1: Yeah, and it was a lot of flying, and and they needed somebody that they could just plug in, say, here's the airplane, here's the itinerary, go do it, and I could, do, and that's what I did. You could
0: save them a ton of money because they didn't have to pay your year-long nope. salary or
1: anything. <laughs> yeah. No, we had a lot of people help us out, and uh, and... And so during that time, during that rejection time, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, just just understood and, yeah. and just really helped us out. And Dave and his family, the guy that prayed against me making it, <laughs> he he stood by me. We stayed in touch, and so uh, so we came back from that saying, "Okay, we're just going to rot in Lancaster County. We're done. We're not going to push any doors. We'll we'll go up to Canada during the summer, and and." That's that's fine. That I, That's just the model that fits. Yeah. And then in uh, 2001, uh, things changed. Um, yep. Ken Stoltzfus Jr. and his family came up through, and we got to talking, and he said, you know, lot, you know through a conversation, said, hey, how about moving to Iowa? I said, that's not on the list. <laughs> that's, not, that's not on the list for us to do. Yeah. Um. So we stopped in on the way home, and, and one thing led to another. And and then how, you know, he was involved with missions and his heart, passion about missions and how the business and missions all tied together really struck a chord and we're like, hey, why not? Yep. You know? So here we are. Here we are. Here we are. And, um, you know, the th- the thing that that god i think he just kind of smiles at sometimes or is as some of the the through relating to a lot of those missions that we were rejected from was what the uh, preferred and priority air charter was tied into so i ended up training some of the pilots of the missions that rejected us. Yep. So it's like how did how we couldn't have wrote the script for this? No. But it wasn't that it, my attitude isn't wasn't that uh I'm so great. It's just that God just you know, just works things in a it way. It just brings a
0: smile to your face. Yeah, a little it's bit. like how could <laughs> you couldn't
1: have scripted it. Nope. You couldn't have thought of yeah. it. And and um it's I don't know.
0: I think, I think one thing that I've seen you do a lot and one thing that um, I've kind of modeled my life after is when those doors <laughs> closed, you continue to do faithfully what's in front of you. Being faithful to what God has called you to in the moment and doing it for a long time in the middle of difficult mm-hmm. circumstances. And in the end, he, his plans will come together for good. Yeah. And and I I it's not that I haven't seen you guys go through hard times or it's not that I haven't been through hard times myself. But when you hit that wall one thing we don't do is Stalpers. I've told this to some people, they thought I was nuts. I said, "Oh no, I can't back down." Well, why not? Well, I'm a Stalper. I'd lose my inheritance.
1: <laughs> you uh, probably when, will lose it you, anyhow, but that's beside them. the fact.
0: <laughs> if there is one, uh, there's yeah, rumors we're spend that's it all. Not, yeah, there you go. Now, now it's on record. <laughs> yep. But no, it, like when when you hit something, you don't back down. You just keep going. It's not like you you plow through the closed door, but you're continually faithful with what's left. Whatever right left? What you're left to do?
1: And and God has has His way of uh, affirming things. Yeah, like the summer thing. We were probably I don't know, probably five years into it or so, and you know, you kids were growing up. Um, you just took more money. I mean, that's fact of life. We were putting you through uh, private school, Christian school, because we felt that. We needed you kids in a good, solid environment through your forming years, and then come high school, we just throw you to the wolves. We will we'll just <laughs> send you to, you know, public school and let you. No, not really. It was a good
0: model. I enjoyed it.
1: <laughs> it brought in, but, um, anyhow, it, but anyhow, I think it brought in your worldview a bit. But it, that could be deba- deba- Yeah, debatable. The we. I. I can. I still can picture where I was sitting, just about where all you kids were sitting, and I was. Um, I'd call my parents, you know, weekly, and just check up with things at home and see how they were doing, and you know, just kind of. That's the kind of things we always do. And my dad says, uh, "Did you did you get the check yet?" And money was tight, especially that year. They wanted us to come earlier because. They couldn't get the airplane switched over on the floats and the mechanic was behind and I'm I'm an a- AMP, an airplane mechanic, uh certified and so I could do it. I knew I did a number of times. I and so they uh, that was part of the deal. Come up early, let's get the airplane going. We got a bunch of flying to do. And so we were we were strapped. I mean our church helped us some, uh some individuals helped us, but it didn't cover the whole thing. So my dad says, "Did you get the check?" I said, "What check?" He said, "Well, the youth group had a a fundraiser for their mission trip for the summer and they raised over and above what they needed, so their mail you knew a $1,000." And I just it got pretty silent. And that was that was God's way of saying, you know, we want you there.
0: Yeah, I got gotcha. you.
1: Yep. So.
0: Yep. And I think, I think uh, one of the things that has been a testament your entire life, I've seen you guys have a lot. I've seen you guys have a little. I've seen you guys try and I, I remember Christmases that I know we had very, very little to go around for five kids. And through all that, you guys never quit tithing, never quit giving, and you made it a statement for your life. It was It was a staple of your life, and the Lord always provided. We always had enough. We, there were times we didn't have a lot, but we had enough, and and you guys were faithful the entire way, and it, it's been a mark on my life, and it's something that for me in my house, it's never been in debate. Mm-hmm. It's been from day one, that's something that we do, because I would see God come through time and time again, and like you said, sometimes when we go up in Canada... There, there would be no money, and then God would provide the money. Or sometimes we would go up there with money, and then all of a sudden, all these expenses would hit, and it's like we'd still come home with nothing. With nothing. But, <laughs> but we <laughs> it made it, you was, know? Yep, we made or, it. Or sometimes you go up there and there's no money. And there are expenses, like food needs to happen, but all of a sudden fishing was really good. And and uh, so yeah. you'd have extra time randomly and we'd go out fishing and the, and the fishing would be great. And yeah. God would just, you know, have us pull a lot of fish out of the, the lake and, and we'd eat that. So, uh, you know, being a missionary kid, a lot of people, you know, grow up with different views of being a pastor's kid, being a missionary kid, what that's all about. And for me, it was like, Dude, when you put God first, when you write him that blank check, he's Mm going to provide. He's going to give you the way. He's going to give you the skills. He's going to give you what you need to get there. And sometimes it's just enough. And sometimes you ride that, (laughs) that razor edge, you know, but... Man, uh the, the fact that you can put five kids in a suburban and, and drive it as far as we did with the thing hanging on the back with all our extra luggage and just over yeah. a thousand miles one way, you know, that that's fantastic that that we uh that we could do that every year. Well, so the,
1: the first the first year or two I had a Ford Astro van. I remember that. And I took the title along because I was convinced <laughs> We were gonna have a different vehicle coming back because I I was convinced that thing was was not was not gonna make it, but that's all we had. Yeah, um, yeah. We came on the trip home. It was we had to leave early that well. Uh, we didn't leave early. as in terminating early that summer, but uh, one of our good friends in Southern Ontario passed away, so we left like three o'clock in the morning or something crazy, and we got. About two hours down the road and all the, head, all the lights just went out, just poof, yep. and no explanation. And, and then we're like, okay, what, what are we going to do? And all of a sudden, poof, they came on. So we started <laughs> driving again. <laughs> the lights were on, keep driving, you know? But there was no explanation. There's, yeah. just, there's some things, there's just no explanation.
0: Weird story, right along with that. I was driving back from Pennsylvania one time. And going up over the mountain, and uh, over Center Hall, right in the middle of Pennsylvania, near State College, coming up over that mountain, all my headlights went out of my car. They were burnt out. The Both headlights burnt out at the same time on the <laughs> Kia Sorento. Uh-huh. And I, it would just so happened in Center Hall. And I knew that one of my friends from work lived in Center Hall. So I called him. I said, hey, are your parents anywhere close that I could stop in and, and just see if he could help me put my car back together. It's late. It's Saturday night or Sunday night, something random. And, uh, and here he was visiting his parents. He was right there. My buddy was in the town. I had a, I had the phone of someone that was less than a mile away that could. And so he came, picked me up, the kid dropped the kids off for supper at his parents' house. We went to the only auto parts store in the tri-county area that was still open, got two headlights, (laughs) put them in and off we went. I could not, you could not write this stuff. It doesn't, it doesn't happen. It
1: doesn't happen. (laughs) You know, and you know, it's, it, it's not it's not that we're so good it's what god does that's right you now um but the part of it is being faithful and i i can't say that i always was you know I, we're human you know we get ourselves in the way sometimes and you know but when we do and see god work it, it's pretty amazing it's true. It is. So.
0: so we're almost done here. If you could give one word of advice to any of the millennials listening, what what would that be?
1: <laughs> Don't smoke marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> Don't walk down the street behind somebody that's smoking marijuana. Because <laughs> we all know that's dreadfully harmful
0: and is gonna put you in the gulag. Yep, and you'll
1: never attain anything from there on in. You're done. Um, <laughs> Boy, I can't
0: top that. I think I'm going to try and uh, do this here, whatever Nate does to sign us off. Well, uh, no,
1: it it seriously is, um, you know, be who you are. Don't put on a facade. Yeah. Uh, We just talked about this a little bit where we were just before we came here. People want to know the real you. And if you're somebody else at this in this setting and you're somebody else in another setting, uh, you're going to get found out. That's right. Just be who God made you to be. That's right. And not to be obnoxious or, you know, not to say, this is who God made me, so that's that's what it, you know, yeah, you're, you're don't, stuck. You don't know.
0: have a church face, a work face, a home right. face.
1: Or, and be open to how God wants to change you, you know, into into something that he can use. I mean, after all, uh, what are we here for? That's right. You know, (laughs) so that's it. All
0: right. so your action step for this week, uh, here are the things we say, we still have what we want for Christmas, and that's a new interface, so if you want to help out with that, we have a GoFundMe that you guys can go check out, Uh, it's posted on our Facebook page and that kind of thing. Um, Any platform that you're currently listening to us on, you can hit that review button and just leave us a five-star review, that helps on iTunes, it helps on all the other platforms, and uh, it'll help keep this show going. So we appreciate all of you for listening. And until next time, we'll see you later.
1: Thanks for joining the conversation today. The Things We Say is produced by Nate Ward. Technical direction is provided by Sheldon Stouffer. You can subscribe to The Things We Say on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Things We Say Podcast to keep the conversation going. This has been The Things We Say. See you next time.